You are listening to Church Unlimited Students, a ministry of Church Unlimited. If God is speaking to you through this podcast, we encourage you to share this resource with your friends. And make sure to connect with us on social media by following at Students. Thank you for listening to Church Unlimited Students. My name is Casey Benson. I live in Austin, Texas, and I'm excited about being here with you tonight. Again, I love the random, I can just anywhere I want in a crowd of people, if I like something, you just go, woo! It's fun. Who loves that? Here's the deal. I got to jump right into it. I only have till about 9 o'clock tonight, so I'm going to hurry up. Uh, I got about an hour and a half message for you. I'm trying to see if Nate was actually listening or paying attention. Hey, here's the deal. Uh, We're going to talk about this tonight, and I'm going to jump right in because I don't have a lot of time, and I do want to tell you a fun story. Y'all like stories, right? If you were at camp, you definitely like stories, all right? I tell you what, here's the deal. Uh, everybody say the word fear, all right? Everybody say fear. fear. See, I don't care who you are. Everybody in this, and this is, like, this is a big week. Here's why. The movie It is coming out this week, okay? So, and I'll tell you, dealing with, there's lots of kind of fears, and I do have one of the number one fears, all right? Anybody know what the number one fear is? It is not clowns. The number one fear is public speaking. Standing in front of a crowd and saying, hello, everybody. How many of you guys have that fear? How many of you guys have got that fear right there? Do you, yeah, you right in the crowd, you have that fear. Come here. No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. <laughs> We're going to tackle that fear right now. No. Uh, here's number two. Look here. This is what's crazy. Number one fear is public speaking. Number two is death. So you would rather die than talk in front of somebody, okay? Kind of crazy. Here's number three, and that's the one that most of you yelled because of the movie It. It's clowns. Now, here's the deal. I'm going to be real with you. I have a very real fear of clowns, and let me tell you why. So one day when I was about this big, my grandparents took me to a parade. You know, in the parades, they have these clowns, right? So I'm standing out there watching all the cool stuff go by, the floats, the stuff, the people. And all of a sudden, and I've never seen a clown up front. I've seen them on TV. Oh, I've been to McDonald's. You know, I've seen that clown. Now, let me ask you this. That's kind of crazy right there. Could you imagine when McDonald's come up with a mascot? They go, we need a mascot. How about a creepy clown? Yeah, they'll follow little kids around. That'd be awesome. So I look up and I look, see, now I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, remember, I'm a little kid. And I look up and I see this clown. He's walking toward me. And I'm like, oh, cool. It's a clown. And it's, and it's doing this number here. And it's the feet and the thing and the face and the stuff and the hair. And it's kind of doing this. And I'm like, it's getting closer. And it's walking, it's walking right. And this clown walks right up to me. And instead of me, I just didn't know what to do, so I just stood there and looked at this, and this clown reaches down, grabs a hold of me, and picks me up. He now picks me up in the parade, and I guess that this adult man who's dressed up like a clown in a parade thought, this would be funny to do. Let me pick up a small child and walk with him. So he picks me up and just goes, ha-ha, starts walking, and I'm under his arm. And all I now do is, here's what I see, nothing but clown face going, <laughs> and ground, Okay. And about a block away, and now this was in the 70s, so I guess you could do this. Pick up little kids and walk them a block and set them down and keep walking. This joker left me a block away. So I kill all clowns now that I see. Um, everybody say fear. fear. 
Let me give you the definition of fear because we're going to talk about real fear tonight, fear that will hurt us, fear that will keep us from doing what we need to do. But I want you to do this. Look at this. Fear is this. I'm going to give you the definition of fear. Fear is a strong, unpleasant emotion caused by, look at this, actual danger or perceived danger. Okay, so there's perceived danger and there's actual danger. Perceived danger is this. I'm just so afraid of what this person might say about my outfit. That's, that's a perceived danger, not real. All right, then there's this actual danger. Hey, I'm up on an eight-story building. What's this? <laughs> yes, that's real. That's a perceived danger, okay? Clowns, uh, that's a real danger, okay? So that's the, that's the definition of fear. So I want to give you a couple of because Here's the deal, and I understand fear. And those of you who are at camp heard my story. I know a little bit about fear. I grew up with a father who was an alcoholic drug addict. I used to watch my dad. And for those of you that weren't at camp, I need you to listen because here's a little bit of my story. I used to watch my dad take needles and stick them in his arm and shoot up in front of me. My dad actually started smoking weed with me at 10 years old. I had my first acid trip at 11 because my dad gave it to me as a joke and I almost died of a drug overdose. That was my life. Had my father put a gun in my face one night and tell me I was worthless, I was nothing, I would never amount to anything, and I was better off dead because I was a mistake. That was from my own father with a gun in my face. Let me tell you, I can tell you about fear. I slept in alleys, I slept in, dish, in ditches, I slept in uh, people's stairwells. I slept on all kinds of places in the middle of the night. With, I mean, talk, I'm talking small child too, 10, 11, 12 years old. I'm sleeping in a, in a stairwell of somebody's place. Look at me, everybody say fear. See, I now understand what fear is. And fear is one of a very real thing. And we all, I don't care who you are in here. I don't care how hardcore you think you are. I don't care how bad you think you is. Let me tell you, we all go through fear. We all have emotions of fear. And that emotion of fear sometimes can really wreck us. And let me tell you what that emotion of fear could do, especially for those of you who have a relationship with Jesus in this room. That emotion of fear can hurt our relationship with Jesus. And for those who have never have met my God or know who my God is and who Jesus is and what he has done in, my, in, in, in your life, let me tell you this, that, that emotion of fear can keep you from following Jesus. I've seen it too many times. Afraid of change, afraid of this, afraid of that. Let me give you, and so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you about three things that I believe what fear causes, okay? Three things that fear causes if we let fear control our lives. Here's number one. If you write anything down, you can write it down. If you just want to put it in your brain, put it in your brain. Here's number one, all right? Number one is this. Fear can cause us to miss what's going on around us. Fear can cause us to miss what's going on around us. Now, let me tell you, there is fun fear, and there's like not-so-fun fear, all right? And when I grew up, and I'm going to tell you a story here a little bit later about how I used to love scaring people. Look at this. Hey, see, that's fun. And that's a perceived danger. She goes, I have peed myself. All right, so, so I got married 17 years ago. Now, I shared a little bit of at camp about who my wife is. My wife's an amazing lady. She is a, a basketball coach. She's been a basketball coach now for about 17, 18 years. Um, we've been married 17 years. I met her when she was a basketball coach. She played basketball in Austin, incredible athlete. She had an opportunity to go to the WNBA right out of college. Married me instead. Thank you. So check this. So my first week of marriage, right? So we go on a little honeymoon a few days. We come back. We move into our little apartment. And so I'm standing with downstairs in a little apartment there. And so I tell my wife, I'm going to go outside. And see, here's what I told myself. I'm going to scare my wife. 
because I want to see, I want this woman to know what she's getting up into, okay? Because I love scaring people. And so I thought, I need to scare her, just really get her, right? Again, remember, first week of marriage. So I tell my wife, say, hey, look here, we're going to go out. I, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to do something. I can't remember what I made up. I made some up. I said, hey, babe, I'll be back in a minute. And we just got married. So I was like, you said boo, said boo, boo. She's like, I love you. I love you. <laughs> so I go out, uh, you know, of the house, and I tell them I'm leaving. So I go to the front door. I open the front door. I say, I'll be back. And I shut it, and I didn't go outside. I ran into the kitchen, and I got into the cupboard. You know that thing with the cereals and the rice and everything? So I got inside there, and I shut the door because I knew she was about to make dinner. And here's my plan. She was going to come in, go around doing what, and she was going to open this door. And then I was going to go, ha, and she was going to go, ah, I love you. Because <laughs> that's what happens, right? You know, you scare somebody, and they, you know, your wife, your newly wife, and she's going to say, I love you. So I go into this cupboard, and I'm standing there, and I'm waiting, and, and I'm waiting. I hear her come in. I hear the pots. I hear the pans. I hear the cupboards. I hear all the stuff or whatever. 45 minutes later, this woman wants nothing inside this cupboard, okay? And so I'm standing there going, come on, please. I got like a bag of Lucky Charms. I'm kind of eating, you know, trying to get a snack. And eventually, I hear her getting close to it. So I'm like, this is it. At this point, I'm starting to get kind of white. I'm like, ah, ah, this is going to be awesome. And so she gets to the door, and I hear the little doorknob, and she opens the door. And I'm telling you, it was awesome. I just dive out of this closet. I just go, ah! And without skipping a beat, my wife just said, Push! I'm talking about drilled me. I mean, not like a little, like a, you know, you've seen these girls. Ah! No, she just straight up said, Push! And I mean, it was a good one too, because I threw myself out there. I was like this, and it was like, and I go down flying back, and I hit like the stuff, and I hit the stuff, and I fall down, cereals falling on me. Now look, ladies, look at me. So you would think in this moment, we just got married, this is our first week of marriage, that my wife, after punching me in the jaw, would go, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no. I'm laying on the floor thinking, what just happened? I'm like seeing those little dots. You ever got hit so hard, you taste dirt? And there's no dirt around. You're like, why am I tasting dirt? And I'm seeing those little things that just kind of like the little flashes that disappear. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Who plays football in here? You ever got lit up and you lay in there seeing those little dots going, <laughs> okay. So I'm laying on the ground, and my wife now, I'm expecting her to go, oh, my gosh, you scared me. I'm so sorry. She starts doing this. I've not seen this in our courtship. And she starts doing this thing with her shoulders, right? And she kind of does this number. And she rolls up on the top of me and goes, don't you ever jump out on me like that again. And I'm laying on the floor, and I learned two words that day that's kept me married for 17 years. Yes, dear. It was more like this. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I was laid out. And I'm telling you, for the first, I don't know, 17 years of our marriage, I've been wearing a bell around my neck in my house. I just ding, 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 ding. I don't ever want to come up on her. I could just see her doing the dishes one day. Hey, babe. Everybody say fear. fear. 
See, there's a fun fear, not the so fun fear. Here's what fear, fear could cause, though. It could cause us to miss what's going on around us. My wife, she didn't know. She just thought she just got jumped and said, I don't worry about her in a dark alley. I'm just saying. Me and my wife walking through a dark alley, I'm going, you go, baby, check it out. <laughs> if I see you throwing hands, I'll like go get somebody, okay? Fear can cause us to miss what's going on around us. Look at this. Here's a big one because of fear. Look at me right here. Here's one that I don't want you to miss tonight. Fear can cause you to miss God's voice. Look at me. Fear can cause you to miss God's voice when God is speaking to you. And you get this emotion of fear that stops you, and God's saying, hey, I want you to do this, or I want you to do that. Some of you may even hear this voice. I want you to get to know me. I want you to surrender to me. I want you to give your life to me. But here comes that emotion of fear. Don't move. Don't get up. Don't raise your hand. Don't pray that prayer. Don't get baptized. Don't do this. Don't do that. And that fear just keeps on hitting and hitting and hitting. And you can miss God's voice because of fear. Here's another one. John chapter 10. We talked about that. Maybe we're talking about voices at camp. No? Okay. Well, y'all need to go again. Get your notes out. All right. We talked about God's voice. We talked about hearing God's voice. John chapter 10 says that, you know, he, he says they will follow him because they know his voice. Y'all remember that? Here's the next one. Here's a big one that I see way too much, especially with Christians. Fear can cause you to miss people who are hurting. Look at me. Do we have a hurting world? Yes or no? We have a world that's hurting. And let me tell you one of the saddest things, and I might share a little bit of this at camp, but one of the saddest things that I see when I go into a school campus and I walk around, I get to go preach at school campuses, not preach, I'm sorry, speak at school campuses all the time. And one of the things that I see way too often that really breaks my heart is when I see teenagers sitting by themselves. When I see teenagers that are sitting there all by themselves at lunch with their headphones on or their, their hoodies in with nobody to talk to and nobody to hang out with, and they're just needing somebody to come up and go, hi, can I talk to you? Can I, can I, here's my name. Can I have lunch with you? And people walk past them. There's a great story, and I'll just give you a very little quickness of it. Luke in chapter 10, verse 30, there's this great story about the, where Jesus gives the Good Samaritan story. And some of you have heard this before, but he talks about, here comes a guy and he's a priest. And what happens is, first of all, there's a Samaritan guy. He, 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 he oh, I'm talking about, there's a guy that gets mugged, basically. He gets thrown down, stripped up, beat up, all this. And here comes a guy, right? He's the priest guy. He comes up and he sees this guy hurting and he goes to the other side. Bible doesn't say why, but probably fear, yes or no. He sees a guy laying down. He sees a guy just got mugged. I don't want to get mugged. I don't want to mess with this dude. He all dirty. He, he stripped down. He don't have anything. And the priest, who you think this man of God was going to help somebody, he turns around and goes to the other side. Here comes, a, they say, a Levite. He's a rich guy. Now, this rich guy comes along, and he sees what's going on. He sees the man down, hurting, you know, messed up. And what's he do? He goes to the other side. But here comes the Samaritan. Samaritans weren't looked upon very kindly back then. They were a mixed breed, so they didn't like them. There were people that, you know, kind of came out of Babylon. They didn't like these guys. So Jesus uses this, this Samaritan guy saying, here comes this guy. He sees this guy. He sees that he's hurting. And what does he do? He goes right to him and helps him up and takes him somewhere to get help. Look at me. Too many times we let this emotion of fear keep us from reaching out to those who are hurting. And there are people walking around hurting, aren't there? There are people that are right now that your school that are depressed and on the verge of suicide. And they just need somebody to walk up and say, hey, I'm so-and-so. Would you like to come to my church unlimited? We meet on Wednesdays and Sundays and this and that or whatever. Or maybe just for you to walk up and go, hi. And that's all they need. Because let me tell you, I was that kid. 
I was the kid that would go to school and I would wear the same clothes for two or three days because of my father leaving me in bars sometimes and me sleeping behind, you know, places and I didn't have nowhere to go and I would go to school two or three times a, a week with the same clothes on, smelling of weed and, and sm cigarette smoke and just a bar. And look at me, nobody wanted anything to do with me. And I would sit there at lunch all by myself and I would eat my food and I was wishing somebody would come up and say hi to me. And no one ever came. Listen, fear can cause us to miss those who are hurting. People also, listen to this, here's one big one. Joy, uh, fear can cause us to miss the joy of salvation. That's talking to Christians. Too many times we run around with this, this just missing that joy of God rescuing you and saving you and giving you life and giving you a place in heaven, knowing that your name is written in that Lamb's book of life when your heart stops and you die, you get to go to heaven. And sometimes we let fear just kind of ruin that. In Psalms 51, it says this. It says, restore the joy of your salvation back to me. And sometimes we just miss that because we're living in fear. Everybody say fear. Number two is this one. Read, uh, uh, listen to this one. Number two is this. It's fear can cause us to run. See, because one of two things are going to happen when you have fear, right? You either fight or flight. Fight or flight. You ever heard that before? See, they're going to run to him or you're going to run away from him. I want you to check out this story, and this is so appropriate for this time and with all the things, other different things that are going on. But uh, look on verse uh, chapter 4, if you got your Bibles, in verse 35, and I think it will be up on the screens if you don't have it. But read this with me. It says, the day when evening came, he says to his disciples, this is Jesus talking, he says to his disciples, hey, guys, let's go on over to the other side. Now, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along as he was just in the boat. There were also some other boats with him. Now, look at this. Verse 37 says, a furious storm comes up. Everybody say storm. Hey, let me ask you a question, Corpus. Anybody know anything about a storm? And let me tell you, storms can come out of nowhere, right? Storms can just rise up. Sometimes storms can sit out there and spin for a while and then hit you, right? Oh, I know all about storms. I write about storms in my book. How many of you guys got one of my books at camp? Yeah? Did you read about the storm that I was in in Hurricane Alicia, 1980-something? I'm not going to say that because y'all tell my age. 1980-something, all right? I'm 12 years old. My mom finally buys this, you know, amazing place for us to go live. It was a little trailer with two rooms in it. See, I used to live on something about the, I mean, lived in something about this size of this small stage right here. One bed on one side, a couch on the other. It was an efficiency apartment right across the street from a crack house. That's what I grew up in. My mom worked very hard. And she went and bought a little trailer and put it on an eight-mile road, you know, which is in Galveston, Texas. That's where I grew up. Everybody say storm. A storm came along, Hurricane Alicia, rolled up into Galveston, and we lost everything we owned. I kind of tell that little story in my book, but here's the point of it. Storms come out of nowhere. And you know what? Storms in life come out of nowhere too, don't they? Because you're either going into a storm, coming out of a storm, or, or I guarantee you that there are some of you in a storm right now. And look, what, look at this. So these guys are in this boat, right? And, and, and this storm comes up and begins to, the waves began to break over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And then in verse 38 says, Jesus, he was in the stern sleeping. There's a storm. Jesus is in the boat and he's taking a nap. Are you feeling me on this? Could you imagine these guys? We're going to die, Jesus. He's napping. He's over there. He probably caused the storm just so he could go to sleep. He's like, he needed to be rocked to sleep, right? But look at me. Have you ever been in your own personal storm and wonder if Jesus was taking a nap? 
man, you ever been in that situation where you just wondered why things are the way they are, why life is the way there is? Trust me, I, I stood, I slept behind the bars and behind schools and behind this and behind that. And many times in my life, I wondered, hey, God, where are you? Are you napping? Can you hear me? Are you there? And one of two things that happens when we're in these storms and one of two things are gonna happen, you're gonna run too. Because at this point, they could have been going, oh man, Jesus, he doesn't care. He's taking a nap. I'm jumping off. I'm swimming to the sea. I mean, to the shore. I'm gonna swim through the sea to the store. I'm out of here and jump off the boat and run, right? Because that's what a lot of us do. It gets hard. It gets tough. I'm running. But look what they do. Instead of running, they take care of business a little bit here. Look what happens. So he was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples now, they run to him and they wake him. And they say this, they say, teacher. I can just imagine this, all right? Picture this with me. He's taking a nap. The boat's like going crazy. The storm's all flipping, you know. Whoa, we're gonna die. Just. And they run up to him. They're like, teacher, Jesus. They're like, wake up, dude. And look what they say. They say, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Mm. You know how many times I've said that? Let me tell you, you know how many times I've been in my own personal storm and how many times I've been in that place where I just feel like everything's falling apart and my boat in life is about to just go underwater and I can't catch my breath and I'm about to drown. And I've said that. Don't you care, God, that I'm about to go down? Oh, I've had those conversations, guys. Look what he does, though. This is where it gets really awesome. They wake him up. Teacher, don't you care? And in verse 39, he gets up, he rebukes the wind, and he says to the waves, look at this, he says, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, it was completely calm. Could you imagine this? You're on this boat, you're like, ah, <laughs> Oh, good, that was cool, Jesus. That was awesome. <laughs> you're good, you know. And all of a sudden, just like this, boom, storm stops. And this is what he says to him. Look at this. He says, quiet, be still. The winds died down, completely calm. And then verse 40, it says this. He says to his disciples, hey, guys, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith in me? Look at me for a minute. Where was Jesus in this storm? He was in their boat, wasn't he? He was in their boat. So here's the thing, guys. When we go through these storms, and how sad is it for those people who are going through storms that don't have Jesus in their boat? How sad is it for these people who are going through these life storms and storms are going all around them and they're just, and they have not have Jesus there to calm the storm. And listen to me, here's the thing. Storms come out of nowhere, like I said. I mean, just immediately storms can happen. Mom and dad sit you down. Hey, listen, and things are not working out. We're getting a divorce. There's a storm. Hey, so-and-so's sick and this is probably happening. You know, so-and-so dies. Death happens. Death is real. Storms happen like out of, and, and maybe still that's going to take place and the storm's still there. But look at me right here because I don't want you to miss this. But here's what Jesus can do. He may not stop those things from happening, but he can calm the storm that's raging inside of you. He can stop the storm that's inside your heart, the storm that's raging in here, that storm that you feel like everything's going to fall apart and you're going to drown and you're not going to, and he can say, boom, quiet, be still. I got you. Even though the storm's still coming. Even though the storm, as it did, rolled through Corpus and Rockport and those places, you saw the damage, it rolled through. But Jesus is saying, hey, let me calm this so you can manage the storm. You can hold strong in the storm. Because I guarantee you right now, there are some of you in this room, you're going through a storm and you need to hear this right now. There's some of you in this room right now, you're wondering if you can even take a breath right now because life is just coming apart for you. 
And my question to you is this, is he in your boat? Are you gonna run to him or are you gonna run away from him? Listen, I'll share this last story with you here because here's the last one. Fear causes us to freeze up. Fear can absolutely cause you to freeze up. Like I said earlier, and I'm gonna tell you this quick story and then I'm gonna close down, is this. Fear is one of those things I love. It's a great emotion. It's a fun emotion. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I plan on going to see it. I love that kind of stuff. I want to be scared. I like that kind of stuff. But then there's some very real stuff. So when I was a kid, I used to love scaring people. We would do all kinds of stuff. And I lived down in Galveston, Texas. Anybody been to Galveston? Okay. There's a place outside of Galveston called Kima. Anybody know what Kima is? Well, there's a place outside near Kima, and they got this place, and here's what it's called. It's called uh, Toddville Road. On Toddville Road, there's this mansion called Toddville Mansion. And so we would take people there, and it was closed down. It was like this big thing where people got murdered there. So we would take girls there all the time and go, oh, look, you're going to die. You know, just trying to scare them. There was a cemetery down the road. We would pull into the cemetery, get out of the car, and just take off running. Real fun. We took every girl we knew there just to try to scare them. Awesome, fun stuff. So one day, my friend and I named Sean, we're, we're driving through that area, and I see a road I've never seen before. I was like, dude, check out this road. He goes, go down it. I go, let's do it. So I pulled down this road, and we're kind of going. It was like a one-lane road. Trees have grown over the top of the roads, so it looked like a tree tunnel. Okay, picture this. And it's nighttime, pretty creepy. So we're driving down this road. My friend's like, this is scary, dude. We can drop things out of this. We can, you know, do all kinds of stuff. We're already planning something. At the very end of this road, all of a sudden, there's a shed. It had a door, had a window, and when our lights hit it, it glowed. We stopped, and I looked at my friend. I said, dude, go check it out. He said, I'm not getting out this car. I said, dude, go check it out. I will put it in reverse. If somebody's in there, jump on the hood. I'm backing us out. He goes, mm-mm, I ain't going up in there. I said, fine. I put it in park. I left it running, left the doors open. We met in the front. We grabbed hands. <laughs> oh, don't even act like you would not, okay? This is in the middle of the night, and there's a shed, Okay. And so we grab hands. We're like, how is this fucking? So we get closer to it, and all of a sudden, it's empty. There's nothing there. And so we're standing there going, dude, we got to do. God has given us a gift tonight <laughs> to scare as many people as possible. We have to use it. And so my friend goes, dude, we need to put somebody with a chainsaw in here. I go, yes. He goes, who do we know with a chainsaw? I don't know. So we thought for a moment, and then we realized we have a friend. Now, check this out. Incredible dude. He's about six foot nine, 380 pounds, and the biggest heart you can ever imagine. You could ask this guy to do anything for you, and he would go, okay. <laughs> His name was Waco. He lived in Houston, and he was from Dallas. I know. He owned a lawn care business, so we knew he had a chainsaw. So we go to his apartment, lived in an apartment. So we go to his apartment, and we go, hey, Waco, we found a shed. We'd like to put you in and have you scare some people. Are you down? He goes, okay. So Waco now goes into his bedroom to get his chainsaw. That's what I said. That dude keeps his chainsaw in his bedroom. Could you imagine somebody trying to rob his apartment one night? Yes. Some guy do, ooh, get the TV, get the TV. That would be amazing. Especially because he's six foot nine, 380 pounds. Okay, he a big dude. So he goes into his bedroom to get his chainsaw. I get on the phone and call every girl I know. Say, girl, how you doing? What you doing tonight? No, I don't want to go out with you. You're going to scare me. I'm not going to scare you. Girl, come on. I promise I'm not going to scare you. You're going to scare me. I go, I'm not going to scare you. Come on, I'm going to pick you up. And while I'm on the phone with this girl, Waco goes in and gets his chainsaw. He puts on these, like, coverall things that he mows the grass in, these big old boots. And this, I had no idea he was doing. He took a pillowcase off his pillow, cut two eye holes in it, and put it over his head. 
He tied a extension cord around his neck. It looked, yeah, pillowcase on the head, giant man holding a chainsaw. I'm on the phone. He opens the door, so I kind of go like this. I go, ah! I stump my toe. I'll pick you up in 20 minutes. You know, I'm like, oh, my goodness. This is about to go down. So I said, Waco, dude, he's still got the thing on his head. I go, Waco, are you sure about this, man? We're going to take you out there. It's way out there in the woods. We're going to drop you off and leave you, and we're going to bring the girls. We're going to get them out the car. You crank the chainsaw up and chase everybody. And he goes, Okay. He goes into the kitchen, he grabs himself a Coke, a flashlight, and makes a peanut butter jelly sandwich. He's in for the long haul. So he goes in, and so we're, we're leaving, okay? Well, let's go, man, we called every girl, we got him set up, we're gonna take you out there, drop you off, and let's go. So we get him out, we're walking out to the car, I turn around, Waco's walking behind us, holding his chainsaw, he still has the bag on his head. And I can just see some woman coming home from the grocery store, just, <laughs> you know? So I turn around and see it, and I go, Waco, take that off. Let's not get arrested yet. Let's let that be later. And so he takes it off. We take him out there. We drive out there, and we're dropping him off. And this was before cell phones. So there was no let me text you on our way. There was no let me sit there and play, you know, a, a, a 1010 while I'm waiting for you to come. It was like I'm going to sit there with my Coke, my peanut butter jelly sandwich, and flashlight, okay, making puppets on the wall. And I said, here's the deal, man. We're going to pull up. When you see our lights, we get everybody out. You jump out. Are you sure you want me to leave you here? Okay. So we back out of there and we leave and we go get these girls. And then while I'm driving out, I look at my friend. I said, dude, what if somebody else shows up? It's not us. I said, that would be incredible. I said, could you imagine some guy, you know, took his girl down there and he parks his car and goes, girl, you know, I love you. He runs. That would be amazing. And then I thought, how horrible would it be if the cop saw our light, so the police come down, he's hiding back there, you know, and the cop gets out, starts walking around, and here comes, ah, you know, <laughs> okay. No, <laughs> that didn't happen, so we're good. So we get these girls, we load them up. We have no idea if she's going to be there or not. So we load them all up, and we're heading now down toward that road. And we see the Toddville Mansion, the girls on the back seat are going, don't scare us. I go, oh, no, girl, we ain't doing that tonight. Say goodbye to that mansion. We're not going there. And then we see the cemetery. They're like, no, don't do that again. I go, girl, I ain't doing that. And then I see the road. So I have to put on the acting skills, and I'm a pretty good actor. So I go, hey, look, there's a road right there. Why don't we go down it and see what's there in the road? Okay, I'm a little bit better than that. So I go, hey, check out this road. Let's go. So I pull down this road, and we're creeping now, right? I got the, I got the windows down, and we're just kind of rolling real slow. And I'm like, you know, kind of like, and they're like, <laughs> and it's getting crazier and crazier. And, you know, the trees and everybody's, you know, they're freaking out in the back car. And I get closer and closer, and all of a sudden, there's the shed. <laughs> it's glowing. We get closer and closer and closer, and the girls are like, back up. I go, no. I go, it's a shed. We have to see what's in it. And the girls are like, we not getting out this car. So I get out the car. I'm trying to coach somebody to get out of the car. I'm like, get out the car, get out the car. They're not getting out of the car. And I say, girl, I'm not leaving until you get out the car. So finally they get out the car. We meet at the front of them, and we start walking. Now, I leave a good distance between us and the lights, and the, the lights are on this thing. And we get halfway there, and I hear this. <laughs> and it's coming from the shed. I hear it again. <laughs> I stop everybody. I say, stop. Listen. The girls are behind us. They're going, and then my, here's what I'm thinking, because I'm hearing it come from the shed. I'm thinking, that peanut butter jelly got to him. He needs to hurry up and crank that chainsaw and come out of here. He's in there, you know. <laughs> like, 
So I hear it again. I'm like, what is going on? Now, look, I didn't tell you this, but check this out. I had no clue this was going down, but over to my right, there along the fence line, there was an actual peacock farm. How many in here has ever heard a peacock scream? Okay, yes. And for those of you that have not, it sounds like a woman, okay? <laughs> so let me set that up for you. So all of a sudden, here's what's going down. He was still, he was, I didn't know if that dude got mad and walked home. He might have been walking down, going, I hate those guys, you know. He was in there, he's below the window, and he's trying to start the chainsaw. He's, that's what that noise was. I'm thinking, might would have tested that before we got here, okay? So he's pulling, pulling. We're holding everybody back. I'm like, I don't understand what's happening. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, that chainsaw just goes, smoke pours out of this thing, fills the cabin up with smoke. And I'm like standing there going, you can't write anything better than this. And all of a sudden, all six foot eight, 380 pound Waco steps out through the smoke, holding a chainsaw, throws it over his head and goes, Aah! and as soon as he did that, this peacock goes, Aah! I knew it was gonna happen, this whole thing. And I think I peed myself. So now I see this and I go, I didn't know what to do. I was like, we didn't plan this far. You know, he was just jump out. So I just ran. <laughs> I took off running. I ran past the car. I'm running past it and I'm running. And Waco started chasing us. <laughs> I'm running full speed with my friend, Sean. I'm like, why is he chasing us? He goes, I don't know him that well. Keep running. <laughs> I'm thinking this dude's about to kill everybody. We don't left him out here for 45 minutes and he killing everybody. So I'm running, he's running, and I was saying, you, this is what I heard. You hear the chainsaw, and the chainsaw just do this. Man! And as soon as he would let off, you would hear this. <laughs> and he'd go, ah! <laughs> and I'm like, okay, dude, I'm tired. If he's gonna kill us, he's gonna kill us. Let's stop. So we all stomp, and he stomps beside us. And I'm thinking, why did he chase us? He turns off the chainsaw and goes, that was awesome. <laughs> I said, Waco, why did you chase us? He goes, because you ran. <laughs> Good point. Okay, so, so we're standing there, we're high-fiving, going, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. We're high-fiving each other, we're shaking each other's hand. Totally forgot we had girls with us. Oh, yeah, totally forgot. And all of a sudden now, I hear this in the distance. They're running through the woods. When he, he apparently ran past them after us, the girls went on both sides. I hear girls running that way, girls running that way. And I said, dude, we got to go find them. Because you know it's like a horror movie right now. They're running through the woods, probably falling, going, ah, go on without me. Tell my story. You know, because that's what they do in the movies, right? They fall and go, I'll hold them back, you go. I'm going to tell you right now, I fall in the woods with a dude chasing us with a chainsaw, I'm grabbing your leg. <laughs> oh, no, we all going down, okay? I'm not, mm -mm, sorry. And, hey, if you catch me on the wrong day, I might pick you up and throw you toward the guy with the chainsaw, okay? And I will tell your story, all right? <laughs> they saved me. I know, she just put herself in front of me, you know? And she's dead, but... So I go out and look. Now, here's what Waco does. Waco goes, I'll go find him. I'm like, no, because I can see this dude walking through the woods like this. 
and them laying behind the tree going, so my friend Sean, we said, wait, could you stay here? My friend Sean went that way. I went this way. And I'm starting to walk through the woods. And here's what I'm hearing. <laughs> you can't make this up. I'm hearing. <laughs> and I'm hearing this. So I'm following it. And I get all the way to this tree. And one of the girls that we brought, her name was Jeannie. Now, Jeannie was laying beside the tree, curled up in a fetal position, going. <laughs> there was literally a family of squirrels sitting over her going, Mom? <laughs> I get to her and I go, now here's the thing. I have to now tell her it's a joke. So I'm like, got he. No, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of, kind of. So I woke up and I go, hey, hey, Jeannie. And she's, and I'm like, hey, it's a joke, you know. So she loses it. I mean, jumps up, just starts, I hate you, you know. I thought you were dead. I go, it's cool, huh? She goes, a little, yeah. <laughs> so we bring them back, and they, you know, they get to wake them. They're like, wake up, we hate you. We're going to call this girl and this guy. Of course, they're now planning every girl they want to call to bring out there for the rest of the night. So we get everybody, hey, let's go. It was awesome. We're laughing. And you could still see our car down the road. That's how far we were. It was really good distance, but you could see the lights. And we get closer to the actual shed. And when we got close, there was like a figure of a body standing in the lights. Smoke is still hovering. So picture the smoke is hovering, and there's a body standing like this. And I stopped, and I said, Waco, did you meet somebody out here? <laughs> I'm not sure what that is. And this girl goes, y'all quit. I go, nah, didn't do that. <laughs> I'll see y'all at the house. I'm out. <laughs> so they're like, you go, check it out. I go, I'm not checking that out. I don't know who that is. And so they're finally like, come on, let's go. So we all grabbed hands. <laughs> and we get there and check this out. It was one of our friends. It, we totally forgot about it. Her name was Misty. And what happened was when she was standing there, when Waco popped out, and, was, ah! and then all of a sudden the peacock said, what? She froze. Hey, you guys come on out and play real soft, and I got to close down with this. She froze, stopped dead in her tracks, just went. <laughs> I walk up to her, and I do this. I go, Misty! She's frozen, looking dead, and she's like this. Drool coming out of her mouth, and I'm thinking, oh, my word, we broke her. What am I going to do? The girls are behind it. Literally, the girls are like, great, you broke Misty, and you know. And so I'm going, I'm doing, I'm snapping, I'm doing this number here, I'm trying to get her attention, and I'm thinking, this girl, if this girl does not wake up, I'm strapping her to the hood of the car, and I'm going to drive her to her house, put her in front of her, you know, her door, ring the bell, and run. I can just see her mom coming to the door. Hey, Misty! <laughs> Why do you have bugs on your face? So finally I grab her, and I just go, Misty! And I shook her. Probably the worst thing to ever do with somebody that just froze out of fear, but I said, ah, Misty! And so she goes, Pfft. And this is what she said. She goes, are we going in? I'm like, what? Look at me. That fear hit her so hard, she missed everything. She missed it. That fear hit her, and that fear froze her up in her tracks. She missed it. And let me tell you how fear froze me up, and I'm going to close with this, and i got to hurry and be done. Listen. Fear froze me up in my life and I'll share this story with you and I'm hoping that tonight that God will speak to you especially about fear my best friend was named my best friend was named Brian he was a baseball player going to LSU for a division one scholarship 
I was going to college to play basketball. He was going to go play baseball. And we had similar situations in life, fathers that were alcoholic, drug addicts, things like that. See, one of two things happen when you live in that world, whether, you know, if you have parents that are that way, you either follow in their footsteps or you run from it. For me at that time in my life as a senior in high school, I ran from it. I wanted nothing to do with alcohol. I didn't want anything to do with those things because I watched how, how bad it was affecting my home. Brian, on the other hand, he was running in the footsteps of his father and he was drinking a lot. He would drink a lot and what he would do is after drinking, he would drive. Hey, I need y'all to listen. Stay with me real quick, okay? I'm almost done. I want you to hear this. Time after time, my friend would get drunk and he would get in his car and he would drive off. And I'd always have these moments in my life when I was standing there with him after a party or with a party or wherever we were. And I'd have these times in my life where I'd feel this voice saying, hey, you need to do something. You need to say something. You need to take the keys. You need to, and right when I would get to that point of going, hey man, let me, hey, you good? And I would ask that question. Hey, are you good? And he'd always give me the same answer. Yeah, you know I'm good, man. All right, bro, I love you, man. I'll see you tomorrow. Looking forward to graduation. He'd get in his car and leave, and I'd just say a little prayer and get my car and roll. One night we're together and we're hanging out. Everybody had left, it's just me and him, and I knew he'd been drinking too much, and I knew that he had too much to. Uh, and I get to him and I'm about to say, hey man, give me the keys. And he's holding his keys and he's holding his, he's got them in his hand. And I can remember it like it was yesterday. He's, he's got this keychain that was a little baseball on the end of like a string. And he was spinning the baseball like this. He was kind of wobbling a little bit. And I remember looking at him, I remember thinking to myself, take the keys, grab the keys, do something, Casey. Don't just let this happen. Don't let him get in the car. I'm feeling it in my chest. I'm going, do something. And fear hit me. Fear hit me dead in the chest and said, don't say nothing because he's going to think, he's going to say this, he's going to say that, or he's going to go back to school and tell everybody you're a punk, or he's going to say, you're not my dad, you can't tell me how to live. Everything you can imagine starts hitting me in my chest as I'm standing there going, I know I need to do something, just take the keys, throw them in the woods, do something. And fear froze me up, stopped me dead in my tracks. And I said this, hey man, you good? He said, you know I'm good. Can't see tomorrow. He gets into his car, he rolls out. I remember kind of standing in that spot, not moving until I didn't hear his car anymore. And he gets down the road, he gets to his house where he needed to take a ride to go down the street to park into his garage. His house is right there on that street. And he turned way too fast, way too out of control, wearing no seatbelt. He rolls his car. His car flips two or three times. He actually goes out of the car. The car flipped over and lands on top of him and bounces off right in front of his home, the car slides into the ditch across the street and he slides in about 15 feet from it. His mother hears the accident on the porch, comes out onto the porch, looks across the street and sees an upside down car, has no idea what's about to take place. Having no idea the fear that's about to run through her body when she runs across that street and sees that that car is way too familiar. My best friend, Brian. She dives off into the ditch and she's trying to find him inside the vehicle and he's not there. And he was a catcher, so all of his baseball gear was and she's pulling it out, looking for him, calling his name and could not find him. He was behind her. She crawls over on her hands and knees, grabs Brian, pulls him into his arms, says only what I guess a mother could say at this moment, this time, and I have two little boys and I hope I never have to feel this pain. My best friend Brian dies in his mom's arm that night. 
And the two things that I have to live with for the rest of my life because of fear is two things. One, I let fear freeze me up that night. I should have done something. If I could go back in time, if I could go back to that moment, if I could go back in time, I would do something. Trust me on this. We would throw hands, and that night, if I could go back, and I, I would take it, I don't care what would happen. But I can't go back. And the other thing I have to live with for the rest of my life is this, and Christians, listen to me. Another fear that hit me is I never invited him to church. I was saved. I knew Jesus at that time. And he was not. So I cannot stand up here and tell you, oh yeah, I'll see my friend one day because I won't. He didn't know my God. He didn't know my Jesus. And you know what? I was too afraid to tell him about God. I was too afraid to tell him about the life change that took place in my life. I was too afraid to tell him that I'm going to heaven. now I have to live with that forever. I don't know where you are tonight in your life. But you're saved or not saved. And what saved means is this. Is do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ tonight? Do you know that tonight if your heart was to stop and you were to die because we cannot guarantee tomorrow like Brian could not guarantee that day in his life. He couldn't guarantee tomorrow, just like I can't guarantee tomorrow. We can't. But what we can guarantee is where we're going when we do die. What we can guarantee is what is going to happen in our lives when we give our lives to Jesus, when we surrender and accept him into our lives. You see, God loved us so much, he sent Jesus Christ to this earth to say, I don't care what you've done, where you've been. Our God who created each and every one of us said, I'm going to send someone down, which is me, which is God in the flesh, Jesus to take all our penalties of our mistakes and our mess-ups, and we've all messed up in this room, yes or no? We've all made mistakes. And he said, I'm gonna take those mistakes and I'm gonna die for those mistakes and I'm gonna give you a place in heaven and all you have to do is believe in me and follow me. The Bible very clearly says you that you accept Christ, you know, you, you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ came down and he died for us. He was buried for us. And then he proved that he was who he said he was. And that was God. And then three days later, he rolled back a tomb and walked down and said, here I am. That's what separates you. And that's what separates Christianity from any other religion. That's what separates it. Our God said, watch this. I'm going to beat death. Nobody's done this. And all you have to do is believe in me and follow me. Listen, don't miss that. Isaiah 41.10 says this, don't panic, I'm with you. Some of you are in a storm right now and you're panicking. Some of you don't have Jesus in your boat and you're panicking. It says, don't panic, I'm with you. There's no need to fear for I'm your God, I will give you strength, I will help you, I will hold you steady, and I will keep a firm grip on you. That's what our God says. And some of you need to hear that right now. Would you close your eyes and be real still? Let me pray for you, and I gotta go. We had some fun, we laughed. We got serious. But here's the serious part of this entire night. This is why I drove from Austin, Texas to be with you right now. It wasn't to make you laugh. It wasn't to tell you jokes. 
It was to tell you that are sitting here right now that may not have a relationship with Jesus, my God, my Jesus, my, my Savior, my Lord. Those of you that are sitting here asking that question, I'm not sure. I need you to listen because I don't want you to miss an opportunity tonight. I don't want you to let fear freeze you up tonight and miss a relationship with Jesus. I don't want you to let fear tonight keep you from walking into the light because Jesus wants to save you tonight. Saving you mean this, keeping you from hell. Because let me tell you, as real as heaven is, that's how much real hell is. So would you look into your heart, everybody in this room, and ask yourself this question, do I know Jesus? If my heart was to stop and I was to die, do I know I'm going to heaven or am I going somewhere else? Can you answer this question tonight? My name is written in that Lamb's book of life and when I die, I know I'm going to heaven. And we saw many of you in this room at camp give your life to Jesus. Can you answer that question tonight? Don't miss this. How many in this room can be honest with me with nobody looking around? I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes so this ain't between you and your friends, your neighbors, your cousin, your nephew, ain't between nobody. I need you to close your eyes right now and look into your heart and ask yourself that question. If my heart stops, if I die, am I going to heaven? Do I know him? So how many in this room can be very honest with me right here, right now and say this? Hey, Casey, I don't know, but I need to know. Man, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of playing the games. I'm tired of living in fear. And I need to know that Jesus Christ is alive in me. I need to ask him into my life. Would you raise your hand right now and say, that's me. If you believe that tonight you need Jesus to rescue you, tonight you need Jesus to come into your life, tonight you just need God to save you, tonight you hear his voice and he's calling you by name saying, come now. Raise it high in this room, real high. I tell you what, if you got your hand up and you really believe that you need Jesus Christ to come into your life tonight, I'm gonna ask you to stand up right now if your hands are raised. Stand up and look at me, be honest. Be real with me tonight. You need Jesus to rescue you tonight. Stand up right now. If you believe that you need Jesus to save you, to rescue you, to come into your life tonight, I need you to stand. Those of you are standing, I need you to look at me right here because I'm gonna ask you to pray with me in just a moment. And if you need to stand at any moment, you need to stand right now. If you're still dealing with God, and mess, I need you to stand right here in this room tonight. If you know that you need Jesus in your life, because I'm gonna ask these those who are standing to pray with me. So if anybody else needs to stand, I need you to stand right now. You guys looking at me, here's why you're standing. You're saying tonight, you need to ask Jesus Christ into your life into your world. That's what you're saying. Yes, give me a head nod if that's where you are. Fantastic. I need you to close your eyes and I need you to pray this prayer with me. This is not a magic prayer. This is just you asking Jesus to rescue and to come into your life. I need you to say this. Say, Jesus, I need you. I believe in my heart that you are real. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for giving your life for me. God, I believe in my heart that you rescued me. So God, forgive me of my mistakes, my mess-ups, my sin. Thank you for dying for those on, things on the cross. And God, I'm ready to live for you with no fear. I'm ready to shout your name from the rooftops with no fear. Thank you for giving me life. Thank you for rescuing me, Jesus. Thank you. You guys look at me. If you prayed that prayer and you absolutely meant it, then this, here's the thing. You just ask Jesus into your life, your life will never be the same. 
Nate, are they coming out with you real quick? Right there. Y'all turn around and walk with my man right there. Just turn around and walk right there. He's going to pray with you outside right there for a minute. So everybody's standing. If you prayed, even if you're sitting down and you didn't stand up and you prayed and asked God into your life, I'm going to ask you to stand up right now and walk out that door so they can talk to a few people. Y'all go. Y'all give them a big hand right here for being brave tonight. Anybody else? And you believe that tonight that Jesus Christ rescued you. Listen to me. I'm telling you, if you prayed that prayer and really mean it, hey, walk out. Get up and go out there for a minute. Now, the rest of you, look at me right here. As they go out and they talk with somebody, everybody else look right here. So you're telling me one of two things. One is this. Hey, I'm saved. I'm good. I know Jesus. Man, my heart stops and die. I'm going to heaven. That's what you're telling me. The other you're telling me, I'm not there yet. And you know, if you're not there yet, that's okay. I pray that you heard something tonight. A seed was planted tonight. And you go home and you explore this even more. Oh, don't die yet. You, you hate to get there and go, ah, dang, I missed it. All right, don't get there. But how many of you guys are saved in this room right now could be real with me? That tonight you're going through a storm in life. The water feels a little rough in your life. Look at me. Do you feel that tonight? Raise your hand if you feel like that tonight. That you just got a storm raging. I'm not talking about a real storm, a physical. I'm talking about, you know, maybe you're going through a storm because of the storm. But there's some storms raging in your life. All right, good deal. I'm going to ask everybody to stand right now as I pray over you. And those of you that are going through a storm, I'm going to challenge you tonight to come and get on your face, to come and get on your knees, to come and let him calm the storm that's raging inside of you tonight. Father, we love you, and I thank you so much for this church. Church Unlimited, God, I thank you for their heart for teenagers and their heart for teenagers to come to know you, God. And God, I thank you and I praise you and I, and I love you, God, for saving those who just got saved. I pray you showed them that this was the greatest moment of their lives tonight, God. And Father, I pray for those that just raised their hand that said, I got a raging storm in my life right now. God, that you will calm that storm in their hearts. Calm that storm that's raging and flowing. God, give them peace tonight. Hey, God, wrap your arms around them tonight and just hold them through this storm. And let them know that you're with them as they come and they get on their knees and they give that storm to you tonight. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this altar's open. Come on, get on your face tonight and give him your storm. Come on.